0: As we dive into God's word today, I want you to cast your mind back to going on a holiday. And you go on the holiday and you you travel around, you sleep in a number of different beds and you're living out of the suitcase and those things are all good, but then you get home. And if you're able to, maybe if you don't have kids, the home was clean when you left. And you get home to a clean house and your own bed with clean sheets And there's just something about being home, that there's comfort, there's safety, there's security. Of course you need to... Clean sheets don't happen by themselves and a clean house doesn't happen by itself. There's there's work that needs to be done, but there's something about being home that you just feel at peace. Today is uh, Welcome Sunday, And it's a a Sunday where we sort of want to kick off the year by just saying, we hope that you feel that feeling here. We hope that you feel the feeling of, (sighs) we're home. It's safe. There's an element of comfort, but also an element of that comfort doesn't happen without a little bit of work. But I belong. There's a familiarity around the place. And so today I want to start the message just by saying that there's no strings attached today. This is not a sales pitch that you need to sign your life away and get connected. Um, It's not a guilt trip for not being here in the past or only being able to watch online. There's no strings attached to this. It's simply we are so happy that you're here and we're so happy to see you. That's right. I can see you online through your TV. When we first went into lockdown, we had um, a bunch of kids that didn't want to watch church in their pajamas in case they would be judged by um, some of the people on stage seeing them through the TV. It's not the case, of course. Or is it? No, it's not the case. We read this passage a few weeks ago. It's such an appropriate passage for what it is to be a part of the body of Christ. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. And it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What it's saying is that when you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a part of his church. You become a part of his family. You belong. And that church has a legacy built, of course, on the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ with the apostles and the disciples that built the church. And then for over 2,000 years, we've seen God's church go from strength to strength. And there's been moments, of course, where humanity has shown its head and we've failed and we've made poor decisions. But when we've ensured that Christ is the cornerstone, the church has always grown. The church has always grown both in quantity and quality, quantity of numbers and quality of discipleship as people understand who God is through his word and are led by the spirit. York Street has done exactly that over the past 130 years. It has a rich legacy of people that have done their very best to ensure that Christ is always the cornerstone of the church and have built an incredible legacy within the church of raising up leaders, as we've heard already throughout our youth ministry, through raising up incredible volunteers, by raising up pastors that have gone out to lead other churches. We have a rich legacy and history here at York Street we also have a rich history and legacy of pioneering. This building was one of the first larger auditoriums built onto a Church of Christ within Ballarat as they, they took a step of faith and, and built something that at the time they couldn't quite feel it was close, and then, then really quickly it filled and filled and overflowed, and they're really happy that they had the foyer there. We're a church that's had a pioneering spirit in buying land and we see the land that we have around us is such an asset. I've been privileged to serve in other churches where their legacy was that the leaders who prayed diligently but when financial hardship hit, they believed that the wise choice was to sell the land around them and the church is now landlocked, unable to grow physically. Physically while still growing spiritually, unable to grow because of the the geographical location of the building. We have an incredible legacy here at York Street, which my prayer is that we will be a part of the legacy in the future, that we will continue to grow, continue to, to put Christ as our cornerstone in all that we do. Hebrews 10 tells us of the role of the church when we meet together. And it's probably a a great example of what Sunday looks like. We all know that the church doesn't stop on a Sunday. It continues on Mondays with pastoral care and helping in the community. And as we go out, we we become Christ's hands and feet in our local context, within our families and workplaces. But what what is the role of meeting together? And Hebrews chapter 10 says this from verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another are on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, one of the things that I think is so important when we pull this passage apart is we see the purpose of why we meet together, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. One of the things that I think we are wrestling with, especially right now, today, is how do we attend church and what is church? Is, is being a member of the church sitting in a pew or is being a member of the church sitting and watching online? And I believe that yes, all of it is church. You can sit at home, or sit in a hospital bed, and you can watch church, and you can worship, and that is absolutely amazing. You can sit in a pew and worship, and that is church. But one of the things that I think is difficult, as this patch- passage highlights, is the idea of encouraging one another, which becomes difficult online. Now, I'm going to name some names. Um, because I believe there's absolutely valid and worthwhile reasons for not being able to sit in the pews. Uh, Max Duffy had surgery just this week. I was speaking to Max this week. Max has been uh, watching online for the past 10 months because of a, a pretty major injury. And um, Max, we love you. We're, we're for you. Uh, Max actually apologised on the phone this week that he'd missed two Sundays. I reckon I've missed more than that. <laughs> when I broke my leg just because I was, the drugs were good. <laughs> I was like, where'd Sunday go? Um, absolutely, like, what an incredible opportunity we have to be able to, to stream what we, we do here to those at home, um, those that, that are unable to, to wear a mask, but also embarrassed to not wear a mask. Um, because they don't want to be judged. Like, absolutely, totally valid reasons for, for being at home. But what becomes harder is encouraging. I've got to say, as, as a minister and a pastor, I get asked more questions on a Sunday than I do any other day of the week. Why? Because people see me and go, oh, I've got to ask him that question. i also got to say, it's the worst day of the week to ask me a question because <laughs> everyone's asking me the question. <laughs> But, but people see you, and you see them. I see someone, I go, oh, I was going to call you, but I can have a conversation. I see someone, oh, I forgot, I remember, you said your auntie was crook the other week, I'm going to ask about her. I hadn't thought about it during the week. But the face sparks something that we're designed to, to do because we're designed to be in community. Now, of course, as I've said, you know, I've named Max, I'm also going to name Pete. We've never seen Pete face-to-face because we know where you live, mate. Well, we sort of know where you live in Melbourne. And, and Pete calls he home. This is, this is home. This is his church. But he's unable to travel because it's a fair commute, two-hour travel. Each uh, way is a fair excuse not to, to come to church every Sunday. But they watch online and are a part of our community. Absolutely, totally understandably. Now Pete has gone above and beyond and he sends emails. How can I support? I have these things. How can I help? How can I pray? And so he is encouraging and spurring one another along. But it becomes harder. So I do want to encourage those. If you can be in the building, be in the building. Because we want to see you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you and we need you to encourage us. See, York Street's purpose, the reason we exist, is to lead people to Jesus and disciple them so that they are empowered to do the same. That's the purpose. That's the actual mission of York Street. It's been the mission for forever because that's what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 28. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them what I have taught you. The disciples, the teaching, the training, the equipping... So first we lead people to a point, they meet Jesus and they're discipled so they are then empowered to lead their friends to Jesus and disciple them and and so on and so forth. I believe every church has the same mission in different words. What does that look like for us as a church? What is the vision? What do we see and how, how do we see that played out? Well firstly we strive to be a large church that values family and we reach communities beyond our own. We're a large church because we believe that, that people still need to know who Jesus is. We're not there yet. And while people don't know who Jesus is, we're still not there. We still haven't led enough people to Jesus. We value family. As the verse we just read out before said, well, you are a part of God's family. You're a part of the family. You belong. But we also value family family we've just heard from our youth ministry we value generations we value children we believe in the biblical mandate that we actually see played out where Jesus in Luke 2 chapter 40 to 52 at the age of 13 at the becoming this age of becoming a man in Jewish culture is in this place where he's been at the Jewish temple asking questions he's been discipled he's been mentored he's been trained up And at the age of 13, the Jewish men would make the decision of what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And so by the age of 14, you're not a child anymore. The idea of a teenager is only about 100 years old. So you're a child or you're a man. So by the age of 14, you're a man. Oh, wow. So all of the investment, all of the focus, all of the the teaching, all of the education, all of the discipleship, all of the biblical wrestle was done under the age of 13 funny when we place scriptural culture and truths alongside science and data and and our Western culture. And in Generations Ministry, we see that there's a window called the 414 window, and in between the ages of 4 and 14, we see 80 to 90% of all Christians all Christians between the age of 4 and 14 either made a decision to follow Jesus or had someone invest in their life with biblical truths. They sat under a Sunday school teacher. They had a grandparent read them the Bible. Between the ages of 4 and 14, that's no consequence, that lines up with scripture and at the age of 13 to 14 that we see in God's word. And so while we totally value all ages and stages of life if we believe in mission and evangelism and discipleship we have to invest we have to invest in the younger generation so we have a big focus on kids and youth for the sake of the gospel that doesn't mean we don't focus on the 10 or 20 percent that is outside of that data because God loves them God made them God sent his son to die for them and so we have to focus on them as well because they're a part of God's family. Also, the vision of our church is to reach communities beyond our own. We exist not just for ourselves, but we exist to be a blessing to those around us. How do we do that? Well, as a church, we have these core values, these pillars that hold up the mission and the vision of the church. The first one is that with no shame, no question, no if buts, or maybes, we are anchored in Scripture in all that we do. It is the foundation of everything that we do. We turn to scripture, we pray, we meditate on this. As we see in the the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that the scripture is such a powerful thing, but also we need to be led by the spirit. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and the spirit led him into the desert where he was tempted by the evil one. And how did he defeat the evil things of this world? He used scripture to defend it. And when he was finished with that, the spirit led him to start his ministry. You see, we need to be anchored in scripture to defend off the things of this world, but open to the spirit to lead us where he wants us to go. We believe that God cares for every member of his family and so do we. I've said that we focus on generations, but generations is everyone. Yes, we have kids and youth and yes, we have a kids and youth pastor. That doesn't mean that we don't value for those that are older in life because there is so much that we can learn from you and so much that you have let let yet (laughs) to learn to have life when we become intergenerational. We've had conversations with aged care facilities over the past couple of years And one of them, they sparked up with the idea of us bringing a playgroup into the aged care facility, (gasps) intergenerational. Is it about the kids? Well, maybe. Is it about those in the aged care facility? Well, maybe. Hey, it's actually about family. It's actually about bringing hope. It's actually about singing God-based songs to generations. It's about both, because God cares for every member of his family, and so do we. And there's no bounds to our willingness to share the gospel. We'll do anything short of sin to be able to share the gospel with somebody else. Because that's what Jesus came for. That, that's the good news. That, hey, there is a better way than the way of this world. There is hope that is found in Jesus. And we've experienced it for ourselves and we want to share that with others. We equip people to live, lead, and love as Jesus did. Jesus spent time with his disciples. Everywhere he went, he invested in them and he he trained them and he he used opportunities sometimes with groups and sometimes by themselves. And we wish to do exactly the same. We're not satisfied with the ordinary. We think and act outside the box. We don't want to be conformed by, by traditions that maybe have aged out. While some traditions are fantastic and yes, we have a rich legacy, so we honor them. But York Street has had a culture of pushing the envelope. I've already mentioned the building and the land. York Street also started a carols in someone's backyard that turned into this ginormous carols event um, at Christmas time across our city. We had somebody who was packing a box at Christmas time to give to those in need that has now turned into the reverse advent calendar, uh, which is now going national and started to go global. Wow, this is, this is outside the box thinking that York Street has been a part of, and if you missed it, there's a giant playground that pretty much makes every parent's jaw drop to the ground when they walk in for the first time sitting in our facility. Imagine if we put that pioneering spirit into our evangelism, or into our generations. Into that aged care facility? Like, what would it look like if we put that pioneering spirit into the way that we reach and disciple those within and outside of our church as we reach communities beyond our own? But also it's a joy to contribute to the kingdom, so why can't it be fun? I don't know if you've ever had that scenario where you've gone out for a meal and it's time to pay the bill, and someone's thought, oh, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Yeah, bathroom's that way, the counter's that way. They go pay the bill and they're about to pay the bill and somebody races in and now it's like a tapping game. Who can get their card on the tapper first? And there's like this little loving sort of nudging and shoving until somebody pays the bill. And there's, there's, there's fun and generosity in that. There's a, there's a real difference between the person that stays back to the very end to pay what's left on the bill hoping that everyone's put in a little bit extra and they've got a cheaper amount to pay. And two people that are trying to be so generous that they'll pay the bill for everybody else. And the person that tapped first is like, yes, I've been generous. And the person that didn't get to tap was, was second is just like, wow, I've been blessed. You see, it's our generosity. It's, a, it's our privilege to, to, to contribute to the kingdom. There's a joy in giving what we've been given. Some of us don't have the finances to do that but we have the time to invest. We have the time to pray. We have, have the, the, the abilities to help in a different area. And so when it comes to the first of what we got, the first of our energy, the first of our thoughts, the first of our passion, the first of our finances, the first of our, 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 our hobbies, the first of our family, what does it look like to put God first with joy and passion? This year as we look to do this, we learned last week, and it's good to revisit it as we, we kick off the year. To do these things, we can't do it on our own strength. We, we can't do it on our own abilities. We need to do it looking to the one. And we have to set our mind on things above, Colossians 3 verse 2. And as we set our mind on things above, he is the one that leads us. He is the one that guides us. He is the one that will show us what we're meant to be doing as we're led by the Spirit, anchored in Scripture, and so people will look back on us this year and say, this is the legacy that we've invested in because we focused on the one. And our story actually became the story, the narrative of his story, the one story. That the faith we had is put in the one, the one that is faithful in all things. And so we realized that there is just one faith and we put our hope in him. The one thing that we know that we have hope for today and for tomorrow And we realize that there's one hope. So as we set our mind on things above, we see there is one story, one faith, and one hope. And that is found in Jesus Christ. Last um, last Sunday, as we we launched into the vision, we left people with a bit of a challenge. And while this is sort of the the welcome Sunday, this is a, a challenge which may be for here, for York Street, but maybe God's leading you to a a different season in life or a different stage of life, and if that's the case, well, this is, as you focus on things above, this is for that. See, God has chosen you to be a part of one story. How will you get involved? How will you get involved in his story? How will you focus on the things above so that your life can echo that of the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus thought, the way Jesus loved, the way Jesus cared. Will you set your mind on things above? Because this year we are inviting each and every member of the church to be a part of uh, to refocus, revisit, and re-examine the one, and be on this journey as we learn to set our minds on things above. In um in your pews, uh the little flyers that we handed out last week, which are there again this week. And what we're asking everyone to do over the month of February is take the flyer and have a look and have a think and have a pray about it, because we don't want this to be an emotional response. We want this to be a response that is anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. And in that, there's space for notes, there's space for comments, there's space for thoughts, but also spaces to get involved In your church family. This year we have a number of initiatives. We're going to skip over those, just for those on the the data this morning. But I want you to know that I really do believe that York Street has a season. In front of it, that that God is still revealing to us, something that we have to rely on him, something that's bigger than what we've done before. and with that there's nervous and it's a bit scary, but it's also excitement in knowing that if God calls us to do something it'll be great. Can you picture the passage in Acts chapter 2 where Peter is filled with the spirit, then he goes out and everyone starts picking on him because they think he's drunk? And he's going, no, 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 no. Let me just tell you about my experience of this guy called Jesus. And as he starts to share, the Holy Spirit does a move and all these different languages start coming out and people can hear the good news of Jesus in different languages. Now, they're just in a room. That's where it starts, just in a room meeting and praying. It's like a small group. I don't know what your small group nights are like, but that's a a night. Like, wow. And from there... We see this incredible encounter where where God shows up and the Bible says that 3,000 were added to their names. Now, I don't know if you know much about small group logistics and leadership and structure, but I believe that God wants to do that in his church in this country. I'm not saying, we're going to have 3000 people here god will do what he does but i believe that there's opportunities for god to take someone at home with a box uh, who's giving it to the poor and do something great if somebody's going to give us an opportunity to buy land or do something with the land that, that we haven't thought of that, that god will lead it and doors will open and we'll be able to bless the community and lead people to jesus through that i believe there's opportunities for people who've been sitting going i've got this skill and i don't know what to do it for god to 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 raise up and quicken and be able to put those skills into action to glorify God in and through what they have, either within the walls of this building or the communities beyond our own, because it's not just about what happens here, it's how we live. I shared, um, I think it was with the 6 p.m. service last week, about the word worship. And, and I'm going to finish with this. In kids' ministry for about 20 years, um, I discovered this, this saying, which I probably used for 15 years every single Sunday in kids' ministry. And the phrase was around worship, and it was like a funny catchphrase, and we had videos that said it for us and all this sort of stuff. And we'd hear stories of discipleship and stories of people living out their faith and, and putting their gifts into actions to glorify God. And this phrase was simply this... Worship isn't just about singing loud, it's about living loud. It's allowing others to see who is number one in your life. This year, will you join me as we refocus on that one? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that this Sunday, that we can come before you with no strings attached, because you love us just the way we are. We thank you that as we embark this year on an incredible journey that you can show us what it looks like to set our eyes on things above. As we open up scripture next week and see what it is to have a change of the heart, Lord, I pray that you would show us what that looks like and prepare us for that this week. Lord, as we we learn to, to be a part of your story, not led by our own desires, not led by our own wants, but aligning with who you are and how you want us to live. Lord, I pray that in that one story we would feel the fulfillment knowing that we are living the way we were designed to live. That we would put our faith in the one knowing that that faith will never be let down. And Lord, that we would put our hope in you both for today and tomorrow. Lord, may we follow the one with all that we have and learn to fall in love with you deeper and appreciate you more as we do so. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.